I'm in a series today, a second part of a series called Peace Through Strength, and I just want to share with you a couple minutes about some things that are strong in my heart. This is, to, to me, very important because the, the Apostle Paul exhibited to me some scriptures here in Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, talking about the things that we deal with concerning our flesh, concerning addictions out there, concerning anything or behaviors that would try to, again, attack us or try to hold us in bondage. You know, do you feel like you're living in a place where things like fear or worry or, or other things that are destructive thoughts or habits or keeping you in a place of hindrance from your relationship with the Lord? Well, there's an answer. There's God's Word that has, to me, a place of peace. And in a place of peace, there's a place of strength. And it says here in Romans chapter 7, notice what it says. This is the Apostle Paul saying this in verse 15. He says, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Isn't that interesting? And talking about this battle of our nature and the flesh and the, and the sin world, as they call it. Notice what it says. It says in verse 16, if then, I, if then do what I will to not to do, I agree with the law that's work that is not good. But he skips on down here and says this. It says, for I know that in me that's in my flesh, there's no good thing dwells. For me, will, for me to will is present within me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. And notice what he skips down here even further. He says this, he's, uh, this is something that really is powerful. He says, verse 20, Now if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. And, he, and again, he takes it on even further. And he says, O wretched man, who am I am? Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, who I find myself serving the law of sin, but with the flesh. Excuse me, I serve myself, I find myself serving, I find myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What's he saying there? Let me just sum it up because sometimes this Elizabethan English can throw you off. What he's saying is, I want to do the right thing, and I, I desire to do the right thing, but sometimes in wanting to do the right thing, I don't do the right thing. I wish I had written that translation. <laughs> but my point with all that is, is, what he's saying is simply is this, that again, there is this force within me to do what's right, but I'm endeavoring to walk this through, but there's another force that's working against me, and what do I do? And that's the thing I want to share with you. You know, Jesus is our freedom, as it says clearly in verse number 25. And I think there's four things as far as helping you to get to this place of strength. As there's this pull on your flesh, as there's a pull or attack on your mind, how do you react and respond? Well, I think there are four things for you to live in freedom. Again, this is not everything, but I think it's a good start. Over in Galatians chapter 5, in the Passion Translation, if they will put that up, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, first of all, you've got to remember in this fight of faith, when the lies of the enemy come, you've got to do this. Notice what it says in Galatians 5, 1, in the Passion Translation, it says, let me be clear, the anointed one, which is Jesus, has set us free, not partially, but completely. Everybody say completely. Notice what it says there, completely. And this is not, again, when you go to heaven, it says right now, to be completely and wonderfully free. Notice that phrase there. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. I like that. I like the fact that Jesus has not only made us free, but he's completely made us free. But there's this admonition that says we must always cherish this truth, cherish this thing, what the Lord has done for us. Remember this, you are not a slave to any type of addiction. 
whether it's chemical, physical, sexual, spiritual, whatever it may be, through the Lord, you are never, never created to be a slave or in bondage of that. I like it said, it's been said like this, and again, I'm coining this phrase from others, but you, we are not victims, but we're victors in Jesus Christ. We're not to be victim of these things. You say, well, Pastor Brian, the world is in that kind of scenario. Yes, they are, but as a Christian, as a believer, as a born-again child of God, we're not to be controlled and ruled by fear and worry and depression and anxiety and chemical things and, and even sexual things. God created sexual desires within the context to marriage. It's a beautiful setting for that, but the world has perverted it in so many ways. Now, what do you do when all those things come at you, Pastor Brian? Well, I understand that, but I really believe in my heart. When we remember who we are in the Lord, then the fight is to our advantage. But if we try to do it in our flesh, as I'm going to share for the next couple of minutes, you're never going to get anywhere. Philippians 4.13, uh, they're going to put this in the Amplified Classic Condition, uh, classic, uh, condition or Classic tr uh, Classic uh, to, not, not tradition. Uh, yeah, tradition. The, the Amplified Classic Bible. Notice what it says, Philippians 4.13. I like this. It says, I have all strength. And everybody say, I have all strength. For all things through Jesus who empowers me, I'm ready for anything and equal and everything to come. Through what? Through him. Look at this phrase right here. Who interfuses inner strength. There's the key. Jesus is the one that gives you the inner strength to say no to some of these things. He gives you the power and the ability to discipline your flesh. You know, the Bible says that uh, we're to, the Apostle Paul says that we're, <laughs> one version says, I buffet my body. And this person said to me one time, that means I'm going to a buffet. No, it means to buffet, to push back, not going to a buffet. Uh, anyway, you'll get that later because we don't have a lot of buffets these, these times and days. But my point with all that is the inner strength that is given to you and I comes from who? Does it come from ourselves? I know Ms. Ra Ms. Nancy Reagan coined a phrase many years ago, just say no. That's a great phrase. And yes, you were to say no. But when you say no within yourself, yes, there's a certain strength there. But when you say no through the Lord, if you'll put that scripture back, let me show you something about this verse here. That's what it says. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through who? Through him who interfuses this inner strength in me. I'm self-sufficient in whose sufficiency? In his sufficiency. And that gives us the ability to have victory over the things that are in our lives. Remember this, Satan will never attack your strengths. He will always come after your weaknesses every single time. And that's nothing to fear. It's just simply the fact that this is a game of war and this is how the enemy plays. And when you learn his tactics, when you learn his strategies, remember what I said last week, and I'll say it continually, especially in this type of message, people like General George Patton understood how to win wars because they understood who their enemy is about. They watched their enemy, they understood their enemy, and how their enemy maneuvered, they responded and reacted in the opposite way. And it's the same thing when you and I, when we understand our real strength, we have the victory over these things. And I'm telling you what, God has never intended for you and I to live slave to anything other than to our service and love for him. That's pretty good news today, is it not? Number three, number three, and notice what we're supposed to do even greater in my opinion. We're not to listen to the lies of the enemy. I mean, Satan will continue 
continually tell you as you turn to John chapter 8, verse 31, you're this, you're that, you can never be free. Let me say this, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus absolutely gives us hope. When there's no hopelessness in the world's eyes, there's hope in him. If there's something that Satan's telling you that you cannot overcome, let me tell you this. Jesus says you have the victory over that every single time. You say, Pastor Brian, I have fallen, I have fallen, I have fallen. Then you get up, you get up, you get up. What's the most natural thing to do when you get down? It's to get back up, is it not? And self-pity and, you know, woe is me will never get you into the place of victory. And I'm going to get to some things in just a minute. Notice what it says here in John chapter 8, verse 31. John 8, 31. Listen to this. Jesus said this very clearly about this. He said, if you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed, verse 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Go back to what he said. He said, if you abide in me, if you abide in these covenant promises, if you abide in who I am, that's why I go back to this verse of scripture. We have to remember who we are. Quoting God's word over your life and remembering all the in him scriptures and saying them every single day is a place of power. If you just get up and just sort of go through your day without rehearsing the things of the covenant of God that you have with him through Jesus Christ, you're fighting it in your flesh. I mean, that's why every single day, yes, I pray specifically over you and over the things of my life and my family, but there's also things that I do very specifically and strategically every single day without negotiation, without the fact if I feel like it or not. I speak God's word over my life, especially areas of peace, strength, and wisdom. There's scriptures I continually quote day after day. Not that I'm trying to impress God, but I'm releasing the power of who I am. As Jesus said right here, if you are abide in my words, you're my disciple indeed. So if I don't abide in his word, what does that mean? I'm not his disciple. And if you're not his disciple, you're not going to have victory over those things. Your flesh is going to control you. I want to be in charge of my body, not my body in charge of me. I refuse to let my body dominate me. I refuse to let the voice that says, do this or do that, or you can't do this or do that, or do this, be the dominating force in my life. You say, Pastor Brian, you're a man of discipline. No, I'm not necessarily a man of discipline. I'm a man of action. I'm a man of commitment. And I'm not doing this through my strength. I'm doing it through his strength. And when you do it through his strength, you'll win. If you try to do it, listen, how many people have gone to AA and whatever and tried to do it in their own strength? Bless their hearts, they fail many times, do they not? Especially when it comes to alcoholism and those kind of things. I understand that. And that they think they can go to a restaurant that has a bar and eat in a bar and not be tempted. You're going to be tempted every single time. What's the number one way to stay away from temptation? Is not get near it. That's pretty good preaching today, is it not? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's not rocket science as far as that goes. But if you have a problem in that area, and we're going to get to the answer here in just a minute, Jesus said, you've got to do some things right here. If you want freedom, you've got to abide in the place of freedom. And one of the greatest weapons, in my opinion, as far as freedom from worry, anxiety, depression, mental torment, even physical and emotional things that pull at you and I, is to speak God's word over our life. You've got to find that place every single day. 
I wish there was a magical pill or a magical drink or a magical hat you could wear on your head, but it just doesn't happen that way. But putting these words in your mouth and letting them come out of your mouth by faith every single time will push back the temptation, will push back the pressure, will push back the things that try to come against you. Again, let's move right along. I'm trying to help you because I want you to have strength. And when you have strength, you'll have peace. When you're weak, you'll not have peace. And that's the whole purpose of this message and what I'm sharing today. Notice this. When you stop believing the lies of the enemy, then no addiction will have power over you. But if you believe that you've got to succumb to that, that your granddaddy was an alcoholic, your dad was an alcoholic, your uncle was an alcoholic, then you're going to be an alcoholic, then you're going to be an alcoholic. Is that true? A lot of people believe that way. And that's just not right. You've got to come to a place and say, maybe that did happen in their lives, but I'm going to learn from their mistakes and I'm going to surround myself in who I am in the Lord and with people who know him. The next thing is, notice this. This is, it gets even better. If you want to be free, you can be free. Let's go to John chapter 5, just a couple of verses back. John chapter 5. Notice what it says here. This is a healing situation in Jesus' ministry, but there's something that Jesus presents here, in my opinion, that opens everything I'm sharing with you today about this peace through strength, especially in these areas of pulling on our flesh. Notice what it says in John chapter 5, verse 1. It says this, and there was a feast of the Jews as Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, there's a sheep gate, a pool in the Hebrew, which is called Bethesda, having five porches. So see this scene. Jesus is going up to Jerusalem. He sees this scene. And watch what happens here in verse number three. And there lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Verse number four, then the angel of the Lord went down at a certain time and stirred the pool of the water. And look what happens here. It says, whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made whole or well of whatever disease they had. Now check out verse five. Here's the key of what I want to show you. Verse number five. Now, a certain man who had been there and had an infirmity or sickness for 38 years. Now, 38 years is a long time, is it not? I mean, in our society today, people give up after 38 days. But this man had a disease for 38 years. And notice verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there, check this out. Jesus said to, and, knew, and Jesus knew that that man had been in that condition a long time. He said to him, watch this question, do you want to be made well? I love what the, the uh, King James says, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be free? Everybody say free. Do you want to be free from this? And look what the man says in a good response. He said, the sick man answered Jesus and said, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirs the pool. When I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The point with all this, even though this is a healing situation in Jesus' ministry, there's a question here that I want to ask you. If you are willing to be whole, if you want to be free, Jesus says what? You can be. You can be. Jesus didn't say, well, listen, you've been here 38 years and, and then this self-pity started coming in. You poor, precious man. Let me come over there. What did Jesus say? I think this is so bold to Jesus. When Jesus knew that this man had been that way, that Jesus made the man, he said, he just said, rise up. He didn't even take him by the hand. He commanded him to get up. You say, that's Jesus. My point with all that is there was a question here. He was asking him, do you want your freedom? And if you want your freedom, you can have your freedom, ladies and gentlemen. 
We're going to offer things in the days ahead. We're negotiating tomorrow with a different entity to work with our city. I'm in a, a meeting with the mayor in two weeks as far as having freedom classes here to offer to people that are dealing with specifically chemical addiction and things of those areas because we want to help people. Again, this will be in a natural setting, but at the end of those classes, I can offer them, even though they're here by a judge's order for a certain period of time, I can offer them the greatest freedom of all. Yes, there's great accountability within a classroom like that. There's great accountability with this judge if you mess up. But there's greater freedom in this book and this covenant with Jesus Christ that a person can be free from that addiction that's destroying their lives, robbing them of their dignity, and could destroy their body and prematurely end their life. We want that kind of freedom for people, not just seven steps of natural thinking and reasoning. How many times people go through those seven steps and they go back and go back into what they were doing? Listen, I want them to be strong. And when they're strong in the Lord, they'll have peace to say no. And I think that's the thing that my mission in life, as far as a minister, is to help people. If people are willing to say, Lord Jesus, you are greater than this. If you're, if you're willing to ask for the help, the help is there. The resources are here. And as a pastor, a leader, I've already got commitments in this one week for people to teach these classes to help me to use these facilities in order to help people in these areas of freedom. Now, I realize there's a, other, a lot of other areas I mean, again, uh, I don't necessarily, even though this is a problem with a lot of people, overeating, and I'm not looking at anybody, I'm keeping my eyes straight on the television cameras, okay? I'm serious, that that's a problem, is it not? Man, you love that chocolate cream pie, you love this, you love that, and you get big as a barn, and you get health issues, I understand all that. I mean, food, does it not talk to you? I come from the South, and we have something there before you had it here called Krispy Kreme Donuts. And I used to play in bands over in Birmingham, Alabama, and we would drive by the Krispy Kreme Donuts after we would finish a concert, and we got all our production done, and we're going down the road in our buses, and, and the Krispy Kreme sign is when the light comes on after midnight, that means they're hot and fresh. Man, I just, the, it's like a voice talking to you, come here, come here, come here. And then you go inside there and they had that coffee that really tastes good. And then you look at that conveyor belt that has the little donuts going down. I just wanted to get on the conveyor belt and just let that stuff just... Oh, this feels so good. Oh, this glaze is awesome, is it not? I don't want one box, I want two boxes. And they would melt in your mouth, would they not? And boy, I could get away with that at 130 pounds. But now, if I did that now, I'd be like, big pregnant looking bride. I'll never forget I was in this service one time. I did a baby dedication like we had right now. This passed a while ago. You notice I didn't do all the praying then because this is where I got in trouble one time at a baby dedication. I'm praying. This is, over, <laughs> this is in Van Hughes, California. I'll never forget it. Anyway, we had the parents up there and the baby. And I had my eyes closed and, and the pastor was standing next to me. He was a big man, but he had a really big belly. Okay? And uh, we were praying over the uh, child, but then we was praying over, we we're supposed to be praying over her sister who was pregnant also. Well, I got my eyes closed. I'm praying in the name of Jesus over that baby. I'm dedicating him with all the passion. And we prayed over the child. And I thought my ha I had my hand just touching the baby who was pregnant. And I said, I, I had my hand on the pastor because his belly was so big. <laughs> Finally, I felt this hand go. After that day, he made a vow to me in the back after lunch. He said, Brian, I know I get to do something about this weight problem. 
I've got to because you started praying over the baby inside of me and that baby inside of me is not a baby, that's food. And it's compulsiveness because food will speak to you and bless his heart. We stood there in the mountains of the area where he was at that next Monday. And he told me, he said, Brian, he said, and this is the first time I've ever had this happen. This is years ago, ladies and gentlemen. This is a long time ago. He said, I love food because food comforts me. And after Sundays when I preach as hard as I can, I pastor, he said, I'm tempted to eat things because they make me feel good. And they're like voices that speak to me. And he said, I love those foods. And it was a breakthrough in his life. And, and um, again, it, just, it really gave me a revelation because I've never had a problem with that. But ladies and gentlemen, my point with all that story is there's voices out there, whether it's food or maybe it's chemical, maybe it's sexual. You know, God created the beautiful covenant of marriage for that. But then the world perverts that. And the world does everything it can to try to rob God's blessing of what that purity and what that's all about. All because they twist something. Hugh Hefner, the founder of Playboy, one of the things he said many years before he died, he said, I simply created illusions and images of people that never existed. I airbrushed these girls. I created these girls and and I made girls that never existed because I know if I can get into someone's mind, I can sell my product. Wow, what a statement. I'd like to add to that. What he did is saying, if I can get into their mind, I can control them, and by controlling them, I'll get them to my products and make money. We should never let our minds control us. We should be in control of our minds. And hey, one, one, verse, one last verse of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And by the way, that pastor friend of mine, he has lost all the way. He lost 130 pounds. And he is now a bodybuilder-like dude, uh, you know, using, you know, using that language. He looks awesome. I mean, he was a big, tall man, very tall man, like Josh Leahy, big guy. You know, Josh comes in the door. This is the way I hug Josh. Hey, Josh, how you doing? <laughs> you know, I mean, Josh is a bigger man now, even though I'm getting stronger and taller. And, and as Wes, anyway, y'all will be laughing at me. I'm not getting shorter. I'm getting bigger. Not bigger. I'm talking about stronger. Anyway, anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. My point with all that is he purposed in his heart. He made a decision. That was in 2002. And I look at him today, and God turned that man's... And it was a fight. It was a fight. One of the things that was a key thing in his life that I'll never forget, he took up cooking. He said, I'm going to start cooking for myself. And now he is a, just, an exi- just an awesome chef, an awesome cook. But he fought the fight of faith and he won the victory. And he's healthier than he's ever been before. Freedom is a process, ladies and gentlemen. It's sometimes a step-by-step thing. But God will give you the victory over the thing that Satan tries to destroy you with. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except that is common to man or common to all of us. Notice what it says. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation make a way of escape that you're able to bear it. I can't think about how beautiful this verse of Scripture is, but how sad it is. This week, 10 years ago, this week, Whitney Houston passed away. And as a musician, as a person of of just admiring great musicians, which she was, You can't help but look at her story and how sad it was. I mean, here is a child of God. Whitney Houston loved the Lord. She was raised in a church. 
Her ability to sing came from standing on platforms like mine and honoring the Lord. And yet when she got into the music business and one thing led to another, even though she had great management, even though she had great friends, but when she married Bobby Brown, it's just, it began to go in the wrong direction. And our dear friend that's been in this church many times, Zorro the drummer who's played right here, not only at this facility, but at the other one we were at, I mean, Zorro worked with them and spent time with them. He worked for Bobby Brown. He knew Whitney, and, and she would be on tour with them a lot just to join to be with her husband. And he would see the contention, the fighting, and, and the, nobody helping them. One of the things about these entertainers when you're around them, one of the things that it just bothers me beyond all, I, I saw it in the life of uh, Elvis Presley, even though I wasn't around Elvis Presley, is they tell you how great you are. And all the concert productions I did, how people will tell you how great you are, and, and they want to use you. I'll never forget, I did a concert for MC Hammer one time. I just did the production of it. I just made $1,000 that night, paid for all the production, and I helped employ about 50 people. But all of a sudden, when MC Hammer's entourage came in, there was like eight tour buses with all these dancers and everything. And he was paying all these people. And I was standing over there talking to him. And, you know, I, I was thinking, all these guys are telling you how great you are. And they're using your money and they're using you. And that night as I stood there just on the side of the, the, the stage watching all this, dancing all this, I thought, man, the only dancer need to be up there was MC Hammer. MC Hammer. We don't need 25, 30 other people up there. My point with all that story is they were just using him. I'll never forget speaking in MC Hammer's life. I said, listen, man, you're a great dancer. You don't need all this production. I made a lot of money tonight. My company made a lot of money tonight, and we appreciate it. I said, but Mr. Hammer, with all due respect, you could have done this for half and put the rest of the money in your pocket. Little did I know that 10 years later or eight years later, that man would be filing for bankruptcy. Because what I was telling him that night was truth. You don't need all of that. And these entertainers, bless their heart, they get into these traps like he did in Whitney Houston, and they need an answer. They need three things, and I want to share with you three things as I close, simply as I close with this. Freedom comes through the Lord through three things. And bless our heart, if Whitney Houston would have had this, we would have had that beautiful woman of God today singing. I mean, the, the drugs that she did, the abuse that she did, the deterioration of her life, and she was looking terrible there at the end. Have you ever seen how beautiful she was? She was a beautiful woman. My friend Adrian Bankard, who's been here, was on Good Morning America, and now Adrian's in WGN in Chicago, and Adrian is this dear friend of mine. We talk weekly. I love this woman. And as Ms. Lou Nichols said, she has the most beautiful skin of any woman I've ever seen. I mean, she's just so beautiful. Well, Whitney Houston had all that, had all that going for her, love the Lord. And of course, she had the wealth, but then all of a sudden to be destroyed, and not only did her life destroy itself, but her own child's life destroyed herself. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you need three things when you're battling that. You need affirmation every single day. Everybody say every single day. Every single day, without exception, you need affirmations of who you are in the Lord. Number two, you've got to be aware of daily of the enemy's tactics. Not just once a week. Every single day. You've got to get up, as they say, on the guard looking and knowing what he's going to try to trap you with and being sensitive to that. 
If you're a person of anger, if you're a person that goes from angry to, you know, leading to drinking or whatever that situation may be, you've got to learn what those trigger points are. Satan always plays those points, does he not? He flips that card down every time trying to get you to buy in. I like to say it like this. Sometimes the enemy comes around with a flip chart and he flips that chart and he'll get you to wake up. And if you have no purpose to your life, if you're just sort of wandering through your day, or doing the routine of just going through the motions, I'm telling you what, if, you, if that's your mindset, he is going to play those cards every day and get you in a mindset where you don't want to be. You've got to be aware of the enemy tactics. And then number three, you, accountability empowers the process of freedom. When we're accountable, when we look to have people around us to encourage us, keep us in check, I mean, every single day I have, per well, not every day, but my dear friend, Pastor Krause, I have other ministers that call me every single day. They don't ask about necessarily you. They don't ask about the church. They don't, they, they, those things are important. They ask about me. They're my coaches in life. My dear friend, Mike Singletary, who many years ago in 1985 on this very day won a Super Bowl championship. And if you ask Coach Mike, what's the key to success in winning a Super Bowl and winning in the game of life? I love what he says every single time. He says, winning comes by coaching and coaching comes by people who care about you. And when you surround yourself with good coaches and people who really care about you and you're accountable to do what they say, you'll always win up. Be, win, always win, you'll always be a champion in life. Isn't that true? Said some of the greatest influences of these young men is the coaches they have. And that's why he tries to be not just a coach of football, but a coach of life. That's sort of the way I am. And I want you to have that peace through strength. But we, we need one another. Especially, you know, and I understand if you're a senior adult, you don't need some 20-year-old speaking to you necessarily, even though nothing wrong with that. But surround yourself with people who will speak into your life, whatever your age group with, whether you're a senior adult, middle age, whatever. But if you're young and dumb like I was, then the last thing you want is a peer telling you what to do because they don't know what they're doing either, okay? That's why you always look for somebody smarter when you're younger. And all the senior adults and middle-aged people said amen, all right? Because, you th boy, you think you're invincible at 16 years old, don't you? Know? You think you've got the Superman cape on at 16. You can do anything. I can do anything because I'm 16 years old. I'm smarter than anybody. I, Pastor Brian, I am now 19 years old. Well, la-dee-da! <laughs> so, Guess what? You've just arrived at beginning life at 19 years old. Pastor Brian, I am 25 years old. I know everything about everything. No, you do not. You're not even getting started. You don't even know how to wipe yourself correctly yet. <laughs> so as my mother used to tell me when I used to think how smart I was, man, she'd haul into me and say, you do not know what you're doing is the right. She would allow me to do it. Her parenting skills were letting me do it. But she would come back to say, you don't know what you're doing because you're not old enough to do it. And guess what? My mother's right. And when I became 30, in my opinion, now I can't speak for anybody else because girls are much smarter than boys. But in my opinion, they're much like, like Allison. At 12 years old, she's acting like she's 25. I'm like, what is going on, Sheila, with this? And Ben and Sammy are all like, hey, what's up? We're playing with guys and toys and you know, and Allison's all 25, getting ready to graduate from college type men. I was like, whatever with the guys. But when I turned 30, I'm serious about that. Girls seem to have it a lot better than guys. But boy, when guys get 30, they can put it together, can they not? And realize who they are. 
And I'm telling you what, Satan knows all these things. He understands all these things. But when you've got accountability, when you've got people surrounding you, as Coach Mike says, when you've got people coaching you to the place of victory, I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, not in your own strength. Please hear me. It's not in our strength. It's in the Lord's strength. And Whitney Houston, the night she died in that hotel lobby, she sang a song about the Lord. I think it was how, how was that hymn, how to trust in Jesus. I think I may be incorrect. But anyway, she sang a hymn about the Lord, went upstairs, and she died a couple hours later. You know why? And you know what the sad part about that is? She died by herself. She died by herself. Prince, the famous guitarist and musician who actually performed on his first tour right here in Burleson many, 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 many years ago. Many years ago. He died by himself. He died with $360 million. All that accomplishment, all those recordings in that vault, all that he did, and he died by himself in an elevator in his facility. Ladies and gentlemen, and he died because of prescription drug addiction. And think about Elvis. Think about all these people. We sometimes think, man, if I just had money, if I just had this, if I had just had that. No, listen, you've got the greatest wealth they'll ever have when you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You're the wisest and the smartest you'll ever be. And I promise you, the same God that raised Jesus from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And there is nothing in your life greater than that force of Him and His power and His love. For whatever is knocking on your door and telling you you can't and telling you and trying to hold you in bondage or hold your family in bondage. Now understand, and I close with this, the human will is a powerful thing. And when we will ourselves not to be free, we will not be free. When we will ourselves to live in these kind of environments, I understand it'll pull us down and pull us away. But I just want you to know how hopeful I am in the Lord. And I have more testimonies out there of his freedom than I do these sad testimonies of Whitney Houston. And by the way, that precious woman is singing with our Lord and Savior now. But you know what? She was really young to die 10 years ago, in my opinion. What a young voice at a young time. And what about Elvis? Elvis never saw later life. He's in heaven. These people are in heaven. It's great to go to heaven. Thank God for heaven. But what about the things you could do now? The things you could do. Now, can you imagine Whitney Houston do after all her career and then making another album like she's made with singing songs about the Lord? Oh my gosh, what a beautiful voice. What about Elvis? I still think one of the greatest songs I've ever heard of how great they are is sung by him. Every time I hear that song, it just puts chills down my spine of how, how beautiful, but he didn't live his life because nobody helped him to understand peace through strength. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you're our victor. And you're our promise of hope. And I'm just praying over every person right now in the sound of my voice to have your wisdom concerning anything they're facing. Those that are watching, those in the auditorium right now, any situation that we're facing, we thank you that you're the victor. Let's all say this together boldly, but with affirmation. Say, Lord Jesus, I can do all things through you that gives me the strength, gives me the power to do what's right. Forgive me for anything that I've tried to face within myself. I ask for your help, your power to do the right thing every single time, whether it's publicly, whether it's privately, whatever the situation, I trust you. I receive you. And I thank you right now through the Holy Spirit for the victory I have in you in Jesus name.
Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, if you mean it with all your heart, it is a Super Bowl Sunday. It's a Super Soul Sunday. If you need help, you need resources from me, please contact me. We want to help you. We'll supply anything. When it comes to speaking God's Word, y'all have heard me talk say this many times about how powerful the spoken Word of God is. I've given away many booklets, and there are types of booklets that have God's Word in first place. We want to help you with those booklets because we want you to be able to affirm how great your Savior is within. No affirmation no confirmation. When you have no affirmation, you have no confirmation of that power. It's almost like if you walk into a room, it's dark. What's the most natural thing to do? Flip the switch, cut the power on. I want you to be able to cut the power. And it's a fascinating thing. When you walk in this auditorium, it can be even dark, even though we have doors with lights, uh, you know, that allow the light to come in. But I've been here late at night, and when you press those buttons in the back, the darkness completely flees, and it lights up beautifully. And that's what happens in your life when you affirm who you are. Let us help you fight this fight. By the way, if there's some other things you're dealing with in these other areas, listen, we have great resources to help you in any of those areas. There are plenty of people that will help you. I'm in contact with other ministries right here locally that have free, 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 free services to help you, especially one particular center that we're in partnership with that will help you and get you started on a road to freedom in the Lord, not in yourself. We want to help you to experience the joys that God has for you in 22, not the hindrances and the burden being dragged from 2021. Amen. We're here to help you, but if we can't, if you don't contact us, we can't.